Hey guys, Pastor Bear here. Welcome to the podcast for Real Church. We meet every Sunday at 11.15 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sherpsburg. You can also check us out online at www.realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. I hope you enjoy this week's message. Listen, let me talk to you guys today about this subject. And we're in Matthew 23. It's going to be a short portion of Matthew 23. But first, I want to tell you what the topic is. Um, Today, we're going to talk about this. Whatever it takes for me to stop being a control freak. Whatever it takes for me to stop being a control freak. And I want to go through the various sermons that we've done so far and highly briefly tell you how this really plays a part in every aspect of the messages we've done. The first one is trusting again. I'm going to tell you something. It's very difficult to trust people if you are constantly trying to control everything. Uh, That's the truth. Uh, Healing a relationship. A lot of times there are hurts that happen because other people feel controlled by you or by someone in a relationship and they leave that relationship. And it's very difficult to heal a relationship if you always have to be in control. Controlling your mouth. I think I'm just going to let that one speak for itself. All right? Controlling your mouth, loving other people, and having a great marriage. Can I tell you that one of the biggest things that I talk to married couples about uh, is, is not, it's, it's not necessarily um, that they, quote-unquote, doesn't love their, their, their spouse anymore, but it's this. It's, I just feel like all they are doing is controlling me. Uh, I feel like that they're so controlling. And guys, I'm going to be completely transparent and tell you that the message today may be a little bit more for you than it is for the ladies. It is for the ladies, but it may be a little bit more for you. Uh, Following Christ, let me tell you something. If you do whatever it takes to follow Christ, I'm going to tell you, you're going to have to give up that control. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Developing patience and dealing with your anger. Both of those, a lot of times we're not patient with people because we have in our minds that we, what we think should happen and we want to control that situation. And so we lose patience very easy with people because they're not doing what we think they should be doing quick enough or in a manner of which we think they should be doing it. The other one is your anger. We lose our temper. We lose our temper when those kind of things happen. And finally, growing spiritually is, is something, and you're going to, we're going to talk about this toward the end of the message, It is nearly impossible to grow spiritually if you're always trying to control. It's nearly impossible to do that because you end up never letting go of what it is that God, you never let go of those old things and you never let God come in and speak to various aspects of your life because you don't open that part of your life up. You don't open that part of your life up to who God is. You just don't do it. And finally, your finances, your finances. You've got, I had someone come to to me today and say, well, what you said was right. I decided last Sunday afternoon that I was going to look at our finances again and I did. And Monday, my car broke down. All right. It's going to happen. If you want to stay in control, then you're going to try to take all that bag. Say, okay, well, this doesn't work. No, listen, I told you last Sunday that if you decide to change your finances, your transmission is probably going to fall out. It just probably is because I'm going to tell you something. The, the enemy knows. He, he's had you so long under that, under that burden. He's had you so long in that bondage uh, of, of being financially irresponsible that, that when you try to make a change, the first thing he's going to do is try to, you know, no, you can't really do this. This is not how it works. See, you try to do the right thing and the wrong thing happens. Those kind of things 
happen. So let's take a look at Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23. And we'll have it up here for you. Matthew chapter 23. It says this. It says, then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples. All right. Now let's stop right there. I want to tell you where we're at. Where we're at is, is that Jesus, as he did several times in the New Testament and in the Gospels, we see Jesus bumping up against, he's bumping up against these people that, that he calls the Pharisees. They were the religious leaders of the time. And he's bumping up against them. As a matter of fact, he talked more harshly about them than he did anything else because he didn't like the way that they were not only, not only were they trying to hold people to, the, to a much higher standard, not only did they, he want people, they want people to jump through these, these rules and regulation and jump through these various hoops in order to be quote-unquote spiritual. But oftentimes what they said they did, they actually didn't do. They just did it for an outward appearance. And so, but one of the things that they did, they used God oftentimes to control other people. They did. They used God to control other people. And so Jesus has encountered them again. And here's what he's going to say. The teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are official interpreters of the law of Moses. So he says they're official interpreters of the law of Moses. And then he gives this warning. So practice and obey whatever they tell you. And you're thinking, well, gosh, man, I, why, why would he do it? Okay. It's the law of Moses. So practice and obey whatever they tell you. And then here it is. But don't follow their example. For they don't practice what they teach. And I love this portion. And I have seen so many churches do this with people. As a matter of fact, some of you sitting here have shared with me that you have felt exactly what Jesus is about to talk about in this next verse. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. Never lift a finger to ease the burden. I told you a couple of weeks ago that one of the worst things you can do is attend a church that has a cutout of what they think a follower of Jesus looks like. And every person that walks in, they try to cram that person through there. And then on the other side, they pop out and they're this Christian. God is much more unique than that. God is much more creative than that. But you see, what's going on here is these Pharisees are trying to control these people. They're trying to be controllers of these people. They're trying to tell, they've added so many things onto the original intention of what God's law is that it makes them almost unbearable. It makes it almost unbearable to live under their rules. And can I be honest with you and tell you that I've met some spouses, honestly, a lot of them that are divorced now, that found it almost unbearable to live under this expectation that their spouse had for them. I've seen friendships that have broken up because it's almost, un, it's almost unbelievably difficult to live under this expectation of them. Great people, great people who cannot simply allow others to be themselves and let God work on them and they try to control them. And let's talk about that a little bit. Let's look at control. I've got the definition of control up here. Here we go. The definition of control is this. The power to influence or direct people's behavior or the course of events. Determine the behavior or supervise the running of, okay? That's what control is. So you've got control there. Let's look at what a freak is defined as. Are you ready? A freak. A person who is obsessed with our or unusually enthusiastic about a specific interest. A person that's obsessed, all right? And then you've got what control is. And so we put those two together, and here's, here's a control freak. It's behind us. Here it is. A person who is obsessed 
with or unusually enthusiastic about having power or influence or directing people's behavior of the course of events. Someone who likes to determine the behavior of others. That's what a control freak is. How do you define a control freak? What would they look like? Let me tell you what they'll look like. I'm going to read these things off. They place a list of rules uh, and, and letting people, they let people know what will make them happy. All right, here are these rules. These are going to make me happy. This is what you have to do in order to make me happy. That's what they do. The second thing is this. They manipulate to get what they want. A lot of controlling people, almost all controlling people, they use manipulation to get what they want. The third thing, they often use anger or even silence as a means to get their own way. They use anger and silence as a means to get their own way. Here's the fourth. There's an uneasiness about them when things don't go their way. When things don't go their way, there is just an easiness that works inside of them. They work to manipulate their family to do what it is they think, even if it isn't biblical. They, they maneuver and they try to manipulate their family, even if it's not biblical, to do what they think they should do. I tell parents this all the time. Listen, your kids are not probably not, the dream you have in your brain about your kids is probably not going to come true. And I'm going to tell you why it's not. Because oftentimes we read that we need to train up a child in the way they should go. And when they are old, they won't depart from that. And the way we read that text is, is we say, I want to train up the child in the way that I think that they should go. And when they depart, they won't, they won't part from that. No, that's not, that's not what the scripture says. Here's what the scripture says. Train up a child in the way they should go. Not the way you think they should go. Not the way you think. Now listen, sometimes you see talents and gifts in your kids and sometimes that matches up and it works out great. But I have found in my experience of working with students forever that most of the time the parents have one idea and the students have something a little different because they feel like God's pulling them a different direction. And I'm going to tell you the worst thing you can do for your kid is not to pour into what they feel strongly about. The worst thing you can do is to try to pull them toward the direction that you should go. The worst thing you can do for your kids is try to live your life or live your past failures through them to make their lives, what you think, better to try to justify something in your own. It's the worst thing you can do. It really is. And so I don't want you to, you to miss that point. They manipulate their family to do what they think is right, even if it isn't biblical. They often are anxious ridden because it takes a lot of, to control everything around the world. You know, it takes a lot to control. And so most people that have control issues are, most people that are control freaks, they, they have a lot of anxiety because it takes a lot to control every aspect. You always have to be thinking. Here's the funny one. They're often bothered by controlling people. It takes one to know one. They're often bothered by controlling people. They dominate conversations. They dominate conversations. They are perfectionistic in every way except themselves. They're perfectionistic in every way except themselves. There's two ways to do things with a controlling person. Their way and the wrong way. Two ways to do something. Their way and the wrong way. They tend to be judgmental because putting people down seems to build them up. Controlling people. And they spend a lot of time trying to keep bad things from happening. They spend a lot of time trying to keep bad things 
from happening? Why is it that Jesus was so angry that these people were trying to control these masses of people? Because they weren't reflecting who Christ was. They weren't reflecting the message that God had from the very beginning. From the very beginning in Genesis, they weren't reflecting that. What they were reflecting is a overbearing and controlling. And a lot of people, a lot of people see Christians that way. I don't know if you guys knew it or not, but they do. They see Christians in, in that way. But that's why Christ was so angry. So let's go through this and let's figure out how is it that we can recognize some things. Here we go. How do we stop being a control freak to whatever it takes? The first one is this. You have to recognize that you have little to no control over things. I want you to hear that. You have little to no control over things. Have you guys ever thought about how little control you have over your life? Have you ever thought about that for a second? Have you ever thought about how, how little, the, the little bitty, tiny little sliver of your life you have control over? I sat in my office and I made a list of things that, that we don't have control over in about one minute. And here's the list that I got came up with. You can't control the weather. If you could, it would not look like green snow outside. It would not if you could control the weather. You can't control. You have no control over that. You can plan You can plan the best trip. The, like next week is spring break. You can plan the best trip and best everything. You can spend a gazillion dollars. You can go down to that location and it could rain every day, all day. That's what can happen. You have no control over the weather. You have no control over other drivers. Are you with me? You have no control over other drivers. You have no control over the economy. You can invest, invest. We saw this back in 2007 and 2008 and 2009. Everyone thought they were doing good. The housing market was going through the roof and everybody was doing good and everybody had money and everything was going great and their house prices were a gazillion dollars. And all of a sudden, in a matter of about eight months, everybody was underwater and everybody was trying to figure out what was going on and what they were going to do. You know why that is? Because you have no control over that. You have no control over what other people say. Did you know that? You have no control over what other people say. Here's another one. You have no control over what other people do. Now, you can try to influence them and be a positive influence on them, but when it really comes down to it, you have no control over what other people do. You have no control over war. There's no control you have. A war could break out at any moment. You have no control over that. It can break out here in America. You have no control over that at all. Have you ever considered how little control you have? You have little, you have have no control over what other people think of you. I want you to hear that one again. You have no control over how other people think of you. You don't. You have no control over that. And here's the hard truth. You have no control over how long Chick-fil-A will keep those awesome key lime shakes. You have no control over that. It's like one day you're here, you go in and get your little shake You're celebrating you and Jesus. You get some Jesus chicken and a shake. And all of a sudden, poof, them suckers are gone. That's what happened to me with the coleslaw. (laughs) Am I telling the truth here? I enjoyed my coleslaw one day. The next day there was a sign that says, we don't have coleslaw, but here's the recipe. I'm like, forget the recipe, man. I bought it. I want to buy it from you. You have no control over that. We have no control over much of anything. We don't. We don't. Now, we think we do. We convince ourselves that we do, but we don't. 
I love the story in Job where Job is, he's kind of going back at God and saying, God, I did this and I did this and I did this and I did this. And, and God said, hey, listen, let me ask you a question. Who made the, who, who made the world here? <laughs> All right, let's be real. Where were you at? And he starts saying, where were you at when I did this? Where were you at when I did that? Where were you at when I did this? And on and on and on and on. And he lists all these things. And he tells them all these things. And Job was like, you're right. I have no control here. I have no control here. There's a story in the book of Daniel, chapter 2, where Daniel has interpreted a dream. And then, and Nebuchadnezzar was so powerful, this king was so powerful, and he had all this control. But Daniel had interpreted this dream. And then Daniel, Daniel starts to talk about how awesome God is. I think we have that in Daniel chapter 2, verse 21. It says this about God. He controls the course of world events. He removes kings and sets up other kings. He gives wisdom to the wise. And I love this. He gives knowledge to the scholars is what Daniel said. That's who God is. God is someone who controls the course of world events. He removes kings and he sets up other kings. Can I tell you something? We need to be active politically. We need to make sure that we get our voices heard in the town square. But can I be honest with you and tell you this? When it all comes down to it, I trust God a lot more than I trust a Democrat or a Republican. Are you with me? Are you with me? I trust God a lot more a lot more than I trust people. I do, because they will fail me. But I can honestly say this, from the pit of my stomach, from the, from the pit of my heart, I have never, ever had God fail me. I haven't. God's never failed me. He's always been there for me, and he'll always be there for you as well. The more you try to control things, people, I want you to know this, the more you try to control things, the more miserable you're going to be. It is. And here's, here's the kicker. You can't do that in just, just yourself because you all interact with all people all the time. If you continue to try to control people, if you continue to try to control every aspect of your life, here's what's going to happen. It's going to be like a big old boulder hitting in the middle of a, of a pond. You know what happens? Those ripples go out, and those ripples go out. And I want to tell you something. Those ripples affect other people. And here's the sad part about the whole thing, and I want you to hear this. People aren't going to come up to you and tell you, hey, your, your wife will, your husband will, but people are not going to come up to you and say, hey, man, you're being real controlling. You know what they're going to do? They're going to leave. They're going to slowly fade away from you, and you're going to look back, and you're going to go, man, why don't I have any friends? Where are all these people going? What did I do wrong? Because they're not, they're not bold enough, and honestly, they don't want to deal with the fact of telling you. So I'm telling you today, for your benefit, to examine yourself, because you have little to no control over anything. I told you guys about the, uh, I told you about the, the housing market crash. I was so bad. I was so bad. You know, we bought this house and what we did is in all of God's wisdom and all of my wisdom, you know, my, my wisdom here in all of my wisdom, I bought the house and I will never forget in 2008 watching a TV show. And it said, if you bought your house in April of 2006, you bought at the height of the bubble. Buddy, I was at the top of the bubble going, woohoo, we're bubbling here. And all of a sudden, pow, the bubble popped. I mean, we bought at the very height. Some of y'all did too, you've told me. And I'm not going to lie to you guys. I would literally mow my yard and I would think, God, how, how in the world? Why would you do this? I mean, I had all this equity that I had and all these things. Why in the world would this happen? You know, and man, I don't even really like this house anymore. 
you know, and good Lord, why is it so echoey? And why can't we get new floors? And, and man, this kitchen's kind of small and the kids are getting on my nerves. And so is my wife a little bit. And you know what I mean? And I kicked the dog and the next door neighbor's dog, I don't even like him, you know, and I'm sitting there doing that and I'm complaining and I'm worrying myself and I'm worrying myself and I'm worrying myself and I'm worrying myself. Of course, my wife, she's got super duper faith. She's like, it'd be fine. Don't worry about it. I'm like stressing out, you know, I'm worried about because I like to control things. I do. I tell my wife this week, I said, listen, you know, it's really sad. I said, this is the hardest message I've had to do in probably a year, year and a half. I said, because, you know, you think you're a recovery, you know, you're a recovered control freak and you realize you're a recovering control freak, you know, because some of these things I'm telling you, God's been telling me all week. And so I worried so much. And then now I look back and I look back at all of God's plans because if it would have happened this time and not this time or this time and not that time, then and I look at how his perfect plan come right into place. And he told me so clearly right after I signed for our new home, he told me so clearly, he said, hey, listen, I want you to understand something. Just like it was with, with, with when you were growing up, just like it was when, with your relationships and who you were going to marry, just like it was when the tornado happened, just like it was when you were going in the ministry, now just like it is with your home and your finances, you can trust me. You can trust me. And I had to realize that for myself. Listen, you have little to no control. You have little to no control over things in your life and you don't even realize it. Here's the next thing. You need to recognize your past plays a part. I want you to hear that. Recognize that your past plays a part. It does. There's a reason that you want to be in control. And I want to tell you this. It's probably much deeper than you think. See, the Pharisees, it was their whole identity. It was their whole life. It was everything that they were and every, they would take so much pride. It was everything about them. They could never give up that control. They had to hoard over the people and, and, and reign over the people so that they could never give up that control. And they would set up things to do so. And the truth of the matter is, is that for you, it's probably much deeper than you think. It probably is. It mostly is rooted in one of three things. Insecurity, fear, or pain. It's probably rooted in one of those three things. Insecurity, fear, or pain. Because those three things, those three things are what we reach for, okay, and what we control. We reach for those things. Those things build up in us. And when we experience insecurity, when we experience fear, when we experience pain, the first thing we do is we go into this mode where we're going to reach for whatever we can control, and we're going to control that aspect. It's, it's such a sad situation when we do that. I want to tell you a little, little, little story about myself. I've shared with you guys of growing up in the family that I, that I grew up in. I love my brothers. I do. I love, and I'm not saying that because he's here, but I really do. I love my brothers. My brothers are my best friends, and I love my brothers. My dad died when he was 59 um, of, of a heart attack, and I, but I love cancer and a heart attack, and he had a double dose. But I love my um, I love my brothers, love my family. But the truth of the matter is, is that my dad drank way too much. He did, and oftentimes at night I would wonder when he was coming in. I was I would wonder. Uh, if tonight was going to be the night that he punched a wall, if tonight was going to be the night that he hit my mom, if tonight was going to be the night that I did this or did that. I mean, it's being honest with you. Uh, but, but, and my dad, listen, my dad did the best he could do. I love, deeply love and miss my dad every day. But the truth is, is that, is that he had some anger issues and what he was taught uh, how to deal with that was to go out and, you know, pop a cold one is what he would do. 
And so, so uh, growing up in that, what you do is, uh, and you, you can research this, but what you do is, if you, if you grew up in a family that was somewhat alcoholic, then what you do is, as a kid is you control whatever you can control to, to establish normalcy. And so a lot, of, a lot of people who grew up in those type homes, a lot of people who grew up in those type homes, they are controlling people by nature. I want you to know that. Because they, little kids grasp onto whatever they can control. If they're fearful, they grasp on whatever they can control in their life. And that's what happened to me oftentimes, it really is. And I didn't know all that until, until later on in life. I didn't understand that until later on in life. But that is what happens. A lot of it, you guys, is much deeper than probably you think. It's probably much deeper than you think. The issue is not something, well, I'm just going to change. I'm just going to do it. Listen, if you'll be willing to go through the process to do what? Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. If you'll go through the process of whatever it takes to stop being a control, a, a control freak, I promise you that you, that God will come with you. And the more you need him, the more grace he'll give you. The more you need him, the more grace he'll give you if you'll invite him along for the journey. Because here's the third point. Recognize that God can be trusted. Recognize that God can be trusted. I don't know if you guys have ever seen a horse. A horse uh, is a, is a wild. It's a it's a, it's, it's, it's especially a wild horse is is wild and it you know bucks and does all these kind of things. But at some point, that horse has to be what? It has to be broken. And a horse broken, a horse broken is a mighty powerful thing that's under the control of the one. That's broken it. Are you with me? Under that control. So you can have a powerful horse that a little kid can jump up on, and that horse is just as docile. He can throw that kid off for four miles. I mean, he could literally take off running, but that horse is broken. And a lot of us, we need to be broken like that horse. I want to tell you this, and I want you to write this down if you can. We give up control to those things that we have confidence in. I want you to hear that. We give up control to those things that we have confidence in. We do. We give up control to the things that we have confidence in. Luke chapter 17 says this, and you guys have all heard this. Luke chapter 17 says this. If you cling to your life, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. You will. Let me, let me do a little berry phrase in here. If you try to control every aspect of your life, you never give it over to God, you'll lose it. But if you let your life go, you'll save it. Makes absolutely no sense in our economy, does it? In our, in our, in our world economy here, it makes absolutely no sense. But in God's economy, it makes a lot of sense. If you cling to your life, you'll lose it. And why is that? It's because you give up control to those things that you have confidence in. Your life, you guys, they don't, doesn't need you in control. Your life doesn't need you in control. It doesn't. Your family doesn't need you in control. Your coworkers, they don't need you in control. Your kids don't need you in control. Your family needs God in control of you and to driving your decisions and driving your behavior. Your, your kids need God in control of you and you submitting to God 
and driving those decisions. Your coworkers need God in control of you and you allowing him to drive those decisions and behavior. And on and on and on and on. You know what God's doing? We're going to talk about this in our next series. You know what God's doing? God's saying, listen, I want to write your story, but I can't write your story unless you give me the pen. I'm going to need the pen. I'm going to need the doggone pen because I keep trying to write your story. You keep taking back and try to write your own story. And I need to write your story. But you have to give up the pen. I'm going to leave you with this. I've told this story to some of you guys before, but when I grew up, I had, and I still do have, a little more gravity than some other people, right? Some of us are gravitationally uh, challenged, all right? And, and I I'm, I'm have a tendency to be a little gravitationally challenged. Um, but I was really scared of roller coasters. I would. I would go, there was a place called Opryland, and I would go to Opryland, and all my family and all everyone, they would ride roller coasters, and all my friends would ride roller coasters, and I would sit and watch. And really the only fun I had was like, you know those little cars that you get in and you push and you bump, bump, you go around? I had that and the corn dogs. That was pretty much it. That was all I had. And I just didn't, I just didn't lie. It was just crazy. I, I, would, I would, can't wait to go to Opryland and I would get there and, and I would just, I was scared to death of roller coasters. I was. And you know, there's a point where you're a kid and you're like, okay, well this is not too bad. But then you kind of start growing and you start hitting like sixth or seventh grade and your friends are going, dude, I'm not eating another corn dog and I'm not going to ride the 10 Lizzie's. All right, I'm not doing it. It's not happening. I'm going to ride the, the, the Wabash Cannonball is what it was called. And I'm like, bro, that thing goes upside down. And I'm afraid all this is going to go all everywhere. All right? And that's not happening. It's not happening. And so I continued to be scared of roller coasters. And my family had planned, didn't ride roller coasters at all. My wife loved roller coasters. God blessed her with the ability to ride roller coasters. And her family, ride, they all rode roller coasters, not me. And I would sit and watch. I remember sitting on the bench and watching them ride the roller coasters and then come off and, man, it's so awesome, it's so awesome. And I was like, oh, whatever. Let's go get a corn dog. And so I, uh, and so I decided that my family was going to a trip. We were going to go to Universal Studios and we were going to go to Disney. And I heard that Disney and Universal didn't have good corn dogs. And I decided that I was not going to allow fear to do anything to get in the way of me having an incredible family time. I didn't tell my kids this, but I told my wife this. As a matter of fact, we had season passes to Six Flags. You have any idea how miserable it is as a grown adult to go to Six Flags in general, but to really go to Six Flags when all you do is walk around and watch your kids and wife ride rides. And I decided I wasn't going to tell my kids, but my wife and I went one day to Six Flags by ourselves. And I told her, didn't tell her really why, I said, hey, let's go to Six Flags. And so we got there and I said, hey, I want to ride a roller coaster. And she said, you want to do what? I, said, I want to ride a roller coaster. And so I said, let's pick the easiest one first. And so we picked the Great American Scream Machine. <laughs> and it lived up to its billing, let me just say that. We get on the Great American Scream Machine, and I am nervous as a cat. We're on that sucker, and I, let me tell you something. Whoever made the roller coasters to go, <laughs> <laughs> they are from the pit of hell. They are. <laughs> because every time it clicked, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and we got to the very top, 
And Wendy was gracious. She let me ride in the middle. We didn't ride in the front. I was in the middle. And I knew we were going to be going the, the following time to, to Disney. And all of a sudden, I said, God, I'm going to trust you. And we go over that top. And you know what I did? Now listen, this is the funny part. Everyone else on the roller coaster was going, Woo, this is so fun. I was going, Lord, I praise you, God. I was having a worship experience on the roller coaster. I was. I'm telling you 100% the truth. And from that point on until right now today, I have ridden the majority. There's a couple of them. I'm like, no, bro, you can keep that one. But the majority of them I did. Why is that? I needed to go through an experience that forced me to give up control. And I decided to do it with a 16-year-old girl going, y'all ready? All right. Boom. And I got on the roller coaster and I rode it. And still today, when I get ready to get on the roller coaster, there's a little bit of a hesitation. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm going to force myself to be out of control. And the more I've done that, the better it's gotten. Am I completely done with it? No. No, believe me. I told you you marry what you need, and I married a therapist. And so I'm told often, eh, you might ought to calm down a little bit on that, all right? Back up. Okay, I can do this. All right, I've got this. But a lot, a lot of my control stuff has faded away. And I want to encourage you to join me on my journey, and I'll join you on your journey, and we'll walk through that together. You may be sitting there thinking today, man, this, this doesn't apply to me. It doesn't. I want, to, I want to tell you something. If you want to know if it applies to you, get with your spouse, or if you're a kid, get with your mom or your dad, and say, I want you to tell me 100% the truth because I want to change if I need to. And you ask them, do you see me as a controlling person? And if they deeply love you, they'll tell you the truth. I encourage you to do that today. I do. You can trust God. You can have confidence in God. Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for the fact that you love us enough that you would send us this incredible and holy word that teaches about all kinds of things. Just an amazing thing, God, that you do for us. Lord, I repent even right now that I still struggle. I still struggle with this control thing. I still struggle with wanting to have my hands in too many things. I still struggle with staying in my own lane. God, I don't ever want to be that person that pushes other people away because I won't listen to them, because I won't, I won't let them have their say. I, won't, I, I don't want to dominate conversations, God. I want you to dominate my conversation. I want you to dominate my thoughts, not me trying to manipulate someone. My prayer for everyone here is, is that they would take an honest look in the mirror and they would be willing to say, you know what, maybe that is something I need to look at. Maybe that's something that I need to address. God, thank you so much that you will allow us and that when we decide to do whatever it takes, that you will allow us and you will give us more grace and more grace and more grace and more grace. And you will walk through with us. Put us in situations, God, where we're out of control. And we grow comfortable with being out of control and giving it over to you. It's in the strong and mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen.
Thank you for listening to the podcast of Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or if you would like to contact us at Real Church, please go to our website at www.realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us on Sunday at 11.15 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Also, check out our website or Facebook page for directions. Until next time, God bless, and remember to love God, love others, and live real.